serve an awesome God. You know, today should be one of the most exciting days of our lives. I mean, you think about how beautiful it is outside and the fact that we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, if you notice this morning as we were singing, we were celebrating going from death to life. And what is more exciting than that? Celebrating death to life. Not only the death of Jesus Christ, but him being raised. But our death that we deserve, eternal death. And because of his resurrection, we can celebrate eternal life. And it doesn't get any more exciting than that. And we should celebrate and worship and be excited about Jesus Christ. You know, we're here today because the tomb is empty. You know, when we were in Israel, we got to visit some empty tombs. And we didn't visit a tomb that had his name on it, where his remains were. We visited an empty tomb. You know, in the New Testament, you know, we we read a story throughout in the first four books of, of the New Testament, of the Gospels, of how Jesus was publicly crucified. And after his crucifixion, it says that, that Joseph of Arimathea and a man named Nicodemus took his body off of the cross and took it to, to um, Joseph of Arimathea, took it to his own personal tomb. They put his body in there. And then it says that they took this big door, this rock, rolled it over this opening. And it says that the Roman uh, government sealed that tomb so that nobody could ever get in. And so that this thing of Jesus, this, this radical teaching of Jesus Christ that, that they had been dealing with would once and for all be done. They would never have to deal with, with, um, with him again. This was the finality and, and nobody could ever go in there and he could never come out. It was sealed. It was behind them. It was behind this impenetrable door. So let me pick up the story there. And it says that in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says that, and, and remember, Jesus, his disciples, the people that followed him, they were really bummed out because the person that they had been following, that they believed in, that they thought was going to be the Messiah, was dead. They had seen him hanging on the cross with their own eyes. So it says that, and remember, this was on Friday and on Saturday, which was the Sabbath, they celebrated that day. But then it says, when the Sabbath was over, in verse 1, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought, brought, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. And very early in the morning on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who's going to roll away? Who's going to roll it away? Who will roll away this stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they took a look 
When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. They were scared to death. That's my interpretation. And then he said, don't be alarmed. You are, you're looking from, for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And it says, he has risen. Now, can you imagine what these three women experienced when they heard that he had been risen? Can you imagine what they felt and how they they probably ran around and they told people, Hey, Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is not dead. He's among us. And they were excited. And you know what? We need to be just as excited about his resurrection. Because his resurrection gives us life. Not just life now, but it gives us eternal life. In him. Don't be alarmed. And Jesus over the next 40 days. It says he appeared to multiple people. In multiple different places. In fact it says in the Bible. That he appeared to over 500 people. During those 40 days. That he was on the earth with his resurrected body. Then it says that he went back up into heaven. So what does Christ's resurrection 2,000 years ago, how does that impact me today? How does that change my life? What difference does it make? Well, if you read Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord... And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Now, what are you saved from? We are saved from eternal death. Because remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, we were all as a human race condemned to death. To eternal death, condemned to hell. But here in Romans it says, because if we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be saved from that. It goes on, then it says, For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. It says, Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. We've gone from death to life. From eternal condemnation to eternity in paradise. You know, Psalm 103 Verse 11 says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And get this, as far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove our transgressions or our sins from us. In other words, the day that I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, then all of the things that I've ever done, all of those despicable sins that I have ever committed, the Bible says, are gone, are remembered no more, are covered up, not just covered up, they're gone. Life. We're here today to celebrate life. You see, when I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, 
The Bible says, I am justified. Now, what does that word justified mean? Well, it means uh, just as if I had never sinned. It means as far, my sins are taken away as far as the east is from the west. You see, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, when, when they made sacrifice, that atoned for their sins. It just covered them up. But when Jesus Christ came, died, and was resurrected, and we confess him as our Savior, they're not just covered up, they're gone. They're removed. They're remembered no more. I am made clean and my sins are wiped away. Cause to celebrate. Then the Bible says there's a process after I am justified. It's called sanctification. A continually being made into the image of Christ. It's a lifelong journey. And that's what these three doors up here are this morning. You know, we have the door of forgiveness that is right here. And, and, and you know, we have been forgiven of our sins. You know, Jesus Christ forgave us, but the Bible says that that we also need to forgive other people. So forgiveness is a journey that we have to do. We have to walk through that door of forgiveness to receive peace. And where are we at in that? Because forgiveness is a hard thing. There is this door of freedom. You see these bars here. You know, some of you are in bondage this morning. You're in bondage to sin. But the Bible says the resurrection of Jesus Christ frees me from that bondage. And you need to walk through that door of freedom. Next week we're going to talk about freedom and how the resurrection can free you from that. And then there's a door of healing. Because some of you here need to be healed. You need healing. So we're going to talk about those things. That is the process of sanctification. You know, there's, there's an incredible verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Now, here's what it says. He says, and this is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called. Paul's saying, I pray that your eyes would be open so you may see this hope that comes through Jesus Christ. He says that the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Power for us who believe. That goes on, it says, the power is like the work of his mighty strength which exerted Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. In other words, the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead gives us the power to forgive gives us the power to be freed from from bondages we're in and to be power to be healed. When we experience, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, he gives us the power to overcome those things. It's that very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us today. The very same power that burst him from the tomb that raised him from the dead, that authenticated his identity. We have that power to overcome sin in our lives. Resurrection power is available for us today. And so that's how his resurrection 2,000 years ago continues to impact us today. You know, the power that opened that huge door, that stone door, 
that same power can open doors in your life. Doors to walk through where you can receive freedom. And where you can receive forgiveness or where you can extend forgiveness. Because of the hurt that you have. You see, something we have to understand is that Jesus extended forgiveness to us. And now I have the responsibility to extend forgiveness to those around me. Remember Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins that have been committed against us. You know, some of you have had some really terrible sins committed against you in your lifetime. Some of you have been hurt very terribly. But the resurrection power of Jesus Christ can, can give you the ability to forgive. And we really need to Allow him to empower us to forgive. You know, the Bible says that when we accept Jesus Christ, you know, the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I became a new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is what it says, beginning in verse 15, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He has been made new. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Now, in just a couple of minutes, there's going to be somebody walk through this door of forgiveness to talk about their forgiveness journey. And to talk about how they were reconciled. Because the word reconcile means to restore to friendship or harmony. I believe some of you here this morning need to walk through that door of forgiveness. You need to be reconciled to someone. Whether it's a father or a mother, husband or wife, brother or sister... But you need to be reconciled. You know, some of you, first of all, need to walk through the door of forgiveness, forgiving yourselves, asking Jesus Christ to become your Savior. But then after that, you need to, to continue that process of forgiveness. You know, bitterness is a huge issue in our world today. You know, many, most counselors will tell you that their biggest their biggest percentage of people that they work with, they work with because of bitterness, because of hurts, because of, because of the inability to forgive. But when I accept Jesus Christ, I become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The power of the resurrection gives me the ability to forgive. And forgiveness is a continual process. That I walk day after day after day. I choose to forgive people every day of my life. And there are some people that I have to every day forgive that same person because of hurts that they have, they have um, 
things they have done to me. But it's a choice. I can either be bitter about what has happened or I can choose to forgive them and continue my journey with Jesus Christ. I, like, I just would like to introduce Carmen Hirschberger to you this morning. Carmen is going to come and talk about her forgiveness journey. I want you to listen real close to her story. Good morning. I am crying already. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so excited to come and share my story with you. Um, my name is Dwayne Sedis, Carmen Hirschberger. Um, my husband, Matt, and I, and our children have been coming here to Fairlawn for um, nine years. And um, I just want to share with you a story of how God took desolation and emptiness, all oh, such emptiness, and washed it away and replaced it with um, replaced it with fullness and with delight and placed in me a song of joy. Um, I was born in Georgia <clears throat> in the small town of Hepzibah. You have to say it with a southern accent, otherwise you don't pronounce it correctly. It's Hepzibah, Hepzibah, Georgia. My mom and my dad, I had two older brothers, um, a conservative Mennonite family. And my memories of, of Hepzibah are very dark and very empty. And there's such um, a spirit of heaviness over those first couple of years. And um, my mom told me that um, in a desperate attempt to save her marriage for um, because my dad had left uh, the family um, many times before I was born. And he would leave, he would come back, he would leave and he would come back. And it would be for long periods of time. Anyway, in a desperate attempt to save uh, her marriage, she deceived him and got pregnant with me, thinking that maybe another child would would help. Um, and I grew up knowing this, that there was um, in deceit surrounding my conception. She also told me that the doctor deceived her and um, tried to abort me with some medication that um, he had given her that she took. And um, she just realized that I think what was going on and, and quit taking it. And anyway, I, somehow, I, by the grace of God, I, I fought through that. And um, so there was just always this darkness and this heaviness um, surrounding even my, my first moments. And um, then finally, at the age of four, my dad left for the last time and um, didn't come back again. He moved to Michigan. Uh, my family, my mom's family moved us up to um, Hartville, Ohio, where uh, she grew up and uh, where we were come, where she was from. And um, dad, I mean, that was it. There was, there was no more dad. He came back um, every couple of years for just, you know, maybe a couple days um, to see us. We never knew when he was coming. He would just show up for a day or two. And then that was it. He was gone. He would leave again. Um, no phone calls, no letters, um, no support. Uh, he just, he was just gone. Anyway, I grew up feeling just a huge emptiness, a huge chunk of my heart um, was gone. And I spent many hours fantasizing about my dad uh, coming back home for me, um, just fantasizing about him wanting me and um, 
wanting wanting to be with us and always at the end of that fantasy it was there was nothing it, it was just such such a nothingness and um just always disappointment um i grew up feeling like i never measured up um obviously in my heart i just felt like there was something uh wrong with me if my dad didn't didn't want me um i grew up feeling not pretty enough not skinny enough not athletic enough he was a big hunter and a fisherman and i thought well maybe if i just knew more about hunting and fishing you know maybe he would want to come back and i would read books and read all i could to try to to learn about that stuff and you know it was it was never never enough i was just i felt all wrong um and it just felt like this constant wave that was just going to crash over me and bury me underneath the weight um i learned to deal with it growing up by laughing um just not caring what people thought i would just act like i didn't care um I just would act overconfident and I would also lie. I lied a lot. Um just about, you know, people would ask me did I do something? Yeah, sure. I did it and then I'd go back later and try to do it or whatever. And it was just a way because I couldn't handle um any more disappointment from from anybody else. Every year it just felt like my heart was shrinking um further away into nothing and i just i also felt like the world's um biggest fraud then i got married <laughs> and i drug all of that into into my marriage and um i thought here is a man who will um who who made me feel a lot better about myself and i thought he will fulfill um all my feelings of um inadequacy and and he would give me all the validation that i need and every woman here knows that no man is capable of fulfilling that for you um and i became very angry and very bitter and very sullen in about 7 years into our marriage i um became so angry and so bitter um that i i came to the point where i i was ready to leave i was going to do the exact thing that i had condemned my dad for and um i was i was ready to leave i was going to pack up my bags and go because i was i i didn't know what what else to do where else to turn um and that was when i cried out to god and i said please please help me and that was when god started teaching me about forgiveness um we Matt and I actually went to a counseling training seminar um where we were learning about counseling and um there I realized that the anger that I felt towards Matt was actually anger and bitterness that I had towards my dad um the counselor there taught us that you you can't just cover up your pain and your anger by sticking bible verses in and you know memorizing bible verses and glossing it all over with with bible verses or with jesus you have to stick jesus into your pain and he said carmen ask jesus what does he think about what happened to you and so i did and you know up until this point whenever i told somebody you know that my dad had left I, there was pity you know people they felt they felt sorry about it and they you know they were sorry for me 
I asked Jesus how he felt about it. And he was livid. He was so angry. He didn't want what had happened to me. He didn't want that to happen to me. That was not what what he had intended for me. And he, he gave me Psalms 18, and he talks about when we cry out to God for help, for help, how he moves heaven and earth to rescue us. And there's such imagery and beauty in, in Psalms 18. And part of it is he reaches down from on high and he took a hold of me. And he drew me out of the deep waters where that wave was threatening to crash down on me. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. From my foes who were too strong for me. And this was a wave that was just way bigger than what I could handle and what I could take care of. But he, he drew me out of that. Then he showed me, once I realized how he felt about it, that I could open my heart to him. And then he showed me some of the barriers that I had put up in not being able to accept love from Matt and not being able to show Matt love and not being able to, to show love to my children. And they were bitterness. I was very bitter. Um, my pride, remember I acted over, overconfident and that really was pride. Um, dishonesty. He, he convicted me about my, my lack of, my lack of honesty, um, hypocrisy, um, immorality, and just that I was tempted, uh, to leave my husband and, and I replaced, um, I replaced my relationship with him and I, and I put it on other things. Sometimes it was, you know, I would escape by the books that I read or whatever. And he convicted me of, of my sin. And, um, I had to ask for forgiveness, um, from my sin. And if I was going to get rid of that root of, of, uh, bitterness though, I needed to be willing to forgive my dad. And that, uh, that was excruciating. Um, I learned that there was nothing my dad could do to pay for what he had done wrong. Yes, he could, he could repent. He could say he's sorry. It still would not pay for the depth of the pain that I had within me. The only, the only payment that could be done was me paying for it and me being willing to say, I forgive, I forgive you. Um, and I, I just, I prayed this prayer and I said, Lord, I choose to forgive dad for abandoning me and causing me to feel, and I had 50 things listed. I am willing to pay for the emotional pain and the consequences that dad has caused me. I take back the ground that was given to Satan through my bitterness and I want to yield that ground to the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I, um, and it was after that that I started praying for my dad out of that, um, after that prayer. And I just, I started praying for dad. And uh, I prayed that he would have a desire to, to know his family. And later on that year, my dad's um, second wife left him. She divorced him, uh, left him for another man. And he called me out of the blue, hadn't talked to him in um, 
I think it was probably about 12, 13 years that I hadn't talked to him, and um, called me and told me that he had a desire to seek God, to win back his, his second wife, and he wanted to get to know his children. Um, he has since then, he has come, and he um, just called one day out of the blue and said, I'm down the road from your house, can I stop in? And whew, yeah, that's fine. Saying you forgive him is one thing. Actually seeing him is a whole nother thing. Um, but I felt like this was part of the journey of forgiveness that God wanted to take me on. Um, because forgiveness is not just a one-time event. It, it involves steps. It involves um, <laughs> sometimes steps that are, that are just harder to, that keep getting harder and harder to take. But um, there's such joy in it. And anyway, dad came. He met Matt. He had never met Matt. Met Matt. He met the children. And um, honestly, on some level, I hurt every time he comes because, you know, how old am I? I think 34. I don't have to ask my kids. My kids always know how old I am. At 34, I desire my daddy as if I was a five-year-old. There's... There's still that longing in me for my dad. And he doesn't respond in that way. And I have to continue to forgive him every time when he comes. And and he he can't reach out in that he can't reach out in that way. You know, God has given me an understanding um, of my dad. He has revealed um, a lot of his background to me. Um, my dad was abandoned in ways that were just awful that um, by by his own parents um, he he himself is living in incre- in an incredible um, world of hurt and pain um, and so I realized I learned that you know it was not an an, an inadequacy in me that couldn't keep my dad here. It was, it was his own hurt and it was his own bitterness that did not allow him, um, to be a part of our family. Um, I also have a deeper understanding of God's father heart towards me and, um, being married to Matt has brought such, um, such healing to my, to my heart. In fact, (laughs) I think I cry. Almost every time I see Matt just doing anything with our children and um, just seeing his father heart for, for our children, it just, it's, it's healing to me. God also gave me a new name and a new birthplace. Um, I never liked my name, Carmen. I just, I always wondered what Mennonite parents names their kid, Carmen. And I used to say, because my dad, it was known that my dad named me, I I used to say, and it was jokingly, and yet it became something from my heart that um, I just always said, oh, it was probably the woman he was uh, with at the time, that it was probably her name, so he just named me Carmen. And God showed me that I was believing a lie and that God gave me my name. He put that in my parents' heart to name me that because it means song of joy. And he said, Carmen, I want to replace this hurt that's in your heart with joy, and I want you to sing it for everybody to hear. He also changed my birthplace 
Remember, I was born in Hepzibah, and one day I read this verse, Isaiah 62. No longer will they call you deserted, but you will be called Hepzibah, for the Lord delights in you. My conception was in, may have been based on a lie here by the humans involved, but not by God. It was ordained by God. He... He placed me in Hepzibah because he delighted in me. And that gives me the courage to forgive, to move on, to continue to forbear. Because remember, this is a journey. And when I am hurt again, I just want to continue to sing a song of joy. What more can I say? You know, Carmen didn't, didn't forgive on her own. Carmen forgave because she had the power of Jesus Christ to forgive. That is the only way you can forgive wrongs that have been done against you like that. And for some of you, you need, you need to walk through that door today. You know, you, you have some of the same emotions. You have some of the same pains. You have some of the same feelings and yet the same Jesus Christ that has begun a healing process in Carmen is the same Jesus that wants to begin that healing process in you and on our own we can never ever do that but as 2nd Corinthians 5 says that he has given us a ministry of reconciliation and I believe today God wants to begin that process and some of you, you know, some of you are here today carrying a lot of that pain. There are things that are eating you up. You've been betrayed and you want to retaliate. You've been abused and you want to, um, you want to pay back. But remember, forgiveness is giving up the right to repay someone what they deserve. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to physically stand up out of your chair. And if you want to begin that healing process, I'd like to ask the worship team if they could come forward right now. If you want to begin that, that healing process that Carmen talked about. Um, you know, today is the day when you can begin that journey. You know, to let someone off the hook because of what they have done. Today is the day to say, you know, enough is enough. Today, I'm going to let go. I'm going to, to give it over to God. I'm going to allow the power of the resurrection to begin to change me. Today, I choose to forgive. If you would stand with me. You know, just, you know, if you, you know, this is a time just of... Of, of extending forgiveness, of receiving forgiveness. Um, just a time of ministry. And, and of laying things down and letting them go. And to begin, you know, this isn't the end of it. This is the beginning of the journey. But if you want to begin a journey of forgiveness today, I'd like to ask you to come forward as the worship team is singing and uh, begin that process. Let me pray. Father, we are so grateful 
not just for the fact that Jesus died on the cross, but that he rose from the grave, that, that he defeated death, that he has given us the power to overcome all the pain that has been um, projected on us. Lord, this morning there are people here that are hurting, people here that have carried bitterness with them that, that just need to begin the journey of forgiving, of letting go, of not being imprisoned by someone that has uh, that has hurt and so now Lord just um, I pray just for an openness here and for your spirit to begin an incredible work Lord that that door would be opened and we could walk through that as your word says by your stripes we have been healed and we praise you and we claim that this morning I pray that in Jesus name Amen.